0: You'll see on the screen behind me today, we're we're continuing that thought, this idea of, of the mind of Christ, what it looks like to operate with the mind of Christ, and we're going to be doing something kind of interesting and um, a little bit unique in the sense of uh, this is a little bit different from how I typically carve up a, uh, a sermon series, but the text we're going to look at today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 6, and I'll read down to verse 16. We'll spend most of our time today focused just on verse 6, and then for the coming four weeks after this, we're going to stay in that passage, and throughout the course of this time, we're going to be looking at that passage and kind of dissecting some of the things that we find in First Corinthians 2 and just looking at it a little section at a time and comparing it, kind of illuminating those thoughts with other portions of Scripture that kind of uh, speak to the same issues that are spoken of in First Corinthians chapter 2. And what we're going to see today, in particular, as we look at verse 6, as we kind of highlight that, I'll read that whole section, but again, we're going to highlight verse 6, and we're going to be talking about the fact that Scripture tells us that we've been given wisdom that transcends this moment in time, that part of the gift of having the mind of Christ, as believers in Christ who have been given the mind of Christ, as Scripture says, we've been given wisdom that transcends this moment in time. So if you would take your Bibles and turn with me, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And like I said, we're going to pick up at verse 6. I will read down to verse 16, and this is a, a, a section of Scripture we're going to be well familiar with over the course of the coming weeks. But today we'll, we'll pick up at verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 6, and I'm going to read down to verse 16, and then we're going to be looking at some complementary Scriptures as well. This is what it tells us. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom... that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be able to look at this portion of your word together today and throughout the course of coming weeks. And as we look at this portion of scripture, we pray that you'd give us your wisdom and your insight. We pray that we'd understand it more and that we would operate with the mind of your son, Jesus Christ, that that would be the perspective that we experience and share in this world. Lord, we recognize you've given us your wisdom. We recognize that the wisdom that you supply, it transcends this moment in time. And Lord, we pray that we would understand this concept as we look at this portion of scripture from 1 Corinthians 2, but as we also look at some of the scriptures throughout your word that help us understand this concept with a lot of clarity and, and in more fullness. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd just help us uh, to internalize these truths and live them out in the context that you allow us to live in right now. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one of the greatest blessings that you and I possess as followers of Jesus Christ is His wisdom and His mind. And that's not something that we should consider insignificant. It's actually very significant because it impacts how we perceive life. And behavior is something that comes from belief. And so if our belief is on track with the mind of Christ, our lives are also going to come in accord with that. And Scripture tells us that this is a gift that we receive through faith in Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So through Jesus, we have a new perspective. We have new eyes. We have a new outlook. And there are things that we're being divinely equipped to understand that the unbelieving world cannot understand. And we saw that even as we looked at this portion of Scripture that I just read for us a moment ago. You understand things that the unbelieving world is not capable to understand. Until our eyes and our mind is open uh, with the mind of Christ, these are things we don't naturally understand. And again, I've come to believe that one of the greatest tools we have as believers that we can utilize during this era or any era is the mind of Christ. And I say that because there are all kinds of ideas, there are all kinds of philosophies, there are all kinds of perspectives that bombard us continually and daily. And sadly, one of the things that I've noticed, and one of the things that that's actually prompted me to spend just a few weeks on this specific subject, is the fact that at times I've been noticing that even believers can at times become almost like enticed by worldly perspectives in such a way that they start adopting a worldly mindset into their lives that isn't biblical. It doesn't hold up to the light of Scripture. But yet they adopt it as if it's true because they just hear that same message over and over and over again. And the culture keeps pounding things into our heads, and I hear the same things over and over and over again. And I think to myself, all right, does this align with the teaching of Scripture? And sometimes if you hear things enough times, you start treating false things as if they're true. And so this is a particular era where I think we need a lot of discernment. I think you need this during any era, but I'm seeing certain ways in which that's tested right now that make me think, all right, it would be helpful for us as a church family to focus on the nature of what the mind of Christ actually means and what Scripture is talking about in regard to the wisdom that the Lord supplies to us through uh, this gift. Christ enables us to see things more clearly when we walk with Him when we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and when we embrace the counsel of His Word. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, which we just read a moment ago, this statement was made. I'm going to reread that verse. It tells us, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So the questions I want to ask are these in relation to this. What does it look like for us to utilize the wisdom of Christ that transcends the mixed up perspectives of this era of history? What does it look like to utilize that wisdom? I think there's several key things that were shown in Scripture that can help us navigate this confusing time and, and, and adopt this perspective that Scripture is speaking of here into our lives. And I want to show us a few things, and I hope it'll be helpful to you. So I'm going to have you guys advance me to the next one here. Is it cooperating for you? There you go. All right. So the first thing is this. Scripture tells us that the wisdom from above outshines the wisdom of this world. The wisdom from above outshines the wisdom of this world. Look at what it says in James chapter 3, verse 17. It says this. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So think about what James is saying in, the, in just that, that brief verse, as he's giving us a picture of the fact that the wisdom from above outshines the wisdom of this world. Godly wisdom outshines worldly wisdom. James was stressing that in his brief letter to believers during the, the first century there. And that's something that we benefit from understanding as well. And there are many ways that the wisdom from above can be described, but some of the ways that James describes it here is, is being peaceable and open to reason. So focus on those words with me for just a second, that the wisdom from above is peaceable and open to reason. But that's not always a, a perspective that we see embraced by this world. And I had a very clear moment that opened my eyes to this in a fresh way as we were driving back from our vacation. So it was a seven-hour drive, really eight hours when you factor in stops. And so obviously you know you're going to have at least one gas stop along the way. And so at just about the halfway point, we made a stop at a gas station. And um, as, as we're stopped there, I'm pumping the gas, and everybody stepped out of the van to go inside to the convenience store there and either get a little something or use restrooms or do whatever they wanted to do. And as I'm pumping the gas, I finished pumping the gas just a moment or two before everybody started loading up in the van. So I put the the pump back on and I get in the van and I see my family one at a time start walking out from the store to the van. And the guy, a guy pulls in behind me and starts beeping at me to clear the pump. Now I don't know what happens inside of you when somebody does that to you, but that's a moment where I have to admit, The car goes in park, the emergency brake goes on, you know, and it's like, my arms cross. You know, it's like, what are you doing? You know, I'm watching my family walk to the car. I've got a guy behind me beeping. And then as they're getting into the car, the guy gets out of his car and starts screaming at me. Like, he kind of puts his arms out like this, and he's like, what's the deal, man? And I'm like, the deal is I'm letting my family get in the car before I pull out, because that's courteous and you're rude. And, uh, and so I'm sitting there and, you know, letting my family load up, and he literally comes up to my window, and he starts yelling at me, and, he, and like my family's looking at this taking place, and I'm like, I don't know what this guy's deal is. And in my mind, I'm thinking, so sometimes I'm really good at snarky comments, and I'm thinking, do I make this blow up more, or do I de-escalate it? And I'm not going to lie to you and pretend that some snark didn't come out, because a little bit did. But in my mind, I was like, don't make it worse, John. You can make this much worse. Don't make it worse. And the guy just, he, he rails into me, and he's insulting me. And, say, and then he goes on to insult the entire state of Pennsylvania. And I was like, the entire state of Pennsylvania is apparently terrible. When he when he left, I took a, a look to see what state he was from. He's from Ohio. So if anyone's on the live stream from Ohio, you got a guy in your state I need you to talk to. All right? Any Ohio people, you got one rude guy. He insulted our state. I'm not saying anything about your state, but I'm just telling you, you got a guy you need to talk to. All right? Ohio people on the live stream, that's your job. But instead of just waiting the two seconds it would take for my family to just like load up, and then we'd clear the pump. He got all irritated. Then he got in his truck and drove off and didn't get gas at all. And I thought, what did this accomplish? Like this accomplished nothing. All you did was just make us all feel weird that some guy was so aggressive that he would come up to our window and start screaming and and yell about our homeland of Pennsylvania and uh, and then storm off in his truck. And I was thinking about this week and looking at what James says in James chapter 13 as he talks about the fact that godly wisdom, the wisdom from above, is peaceable and open to reason. Because I remember in that moment thinking to myself, I'd love to be able to reason with the guy and say, you see, that's my wife. She's walking in. And this is my daughter. She's now getting into the, oh look, there's a son. There's another son. You see what's happening? We are reloading our vehicle. And in mere moments, we will pull this vehicle away and it will be clear and you'll be able to use your favorite pump in the whole station. You need to use this one that I'm already at. Your favorite one, you get to use but no, you can't reason sometimes with those whose minds are locked in to the wisdom of this world. And when you look at the wisdom of God, when you look at what scripture tells us, it tells us that the wisdom of God, the wisdom that God is supplying to us as a gift to those who trust in Christ. It's a wisdom that operates differently from how many people are choosing to go about day to day life. It outshines the easily irritated perspectives that dominate the hearts of those who are not open to the truth. The wisdom of God, by the way, when you look at what James is saying here, I, when I look at this, it reminds me very much of Galatians 5, where that portion of scripture describes the fruit of the Spirit. And the wisdom of God works hand in hand with the fruit of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives because James here is telling us that the wisdom of God is peaceable and it's gentle and it's open to reason and it's merciful and it's full of good fruits and it's impartial and it's sincere. And this is something that you have through faith in Jesus Christ. So from what I read in scripture and what I've seen from daily experience, I truly appreciate the effect of godly wisdom in my life to the alternative. The alternative would be living without it. But to have the gift of that and recognize this is something that the Lord has given to you as a present. He's given to you this as a gift so that your eyes would see things that naturally you wouldn't notice. The wisdom of this world leads to things like frustration and exasperation because it's filled with me first motives. And that's why James is drawing a contrast here to the wisdom from above and the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world is, it's exasperated all the time because it's filled with me first motives and life's not about me first. But the wisdom from above reflects the sacrificial heart of Jesus Christ. And it's not dominated by a self-seeking arrogance. The wisdom from above outshines the wisdom of this world. Something else that scripture points out that I want us to notice is this. And we'll see this from a very well-known portion of scripture from Proverbs chapter 1. And that says that godly wisdom is granted to those who revere Him. So if you revere the Lord, Scripture tells us that godly wisdom is granted to you as a gift. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. There it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let me read that again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, there's several Proverbs that I think fit into the category of best-known Proverbs, and I believe Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 is one of them. Is this a proverb that you've been familiar with for some time? Looking around, I'm seeing some yeses, maybe some noes. Okay, that's fine. Um, it, I think it falls into the category of best-known Proverbs. It's one that I hear quoted quite regularly, and I think it's fantastic to keep in mind because in that proverb, we're told that fools despise wisdom and fools despise instruction. They don't want to hear it, and they fight against it frequently. But those who fear the Lord are blessed in a unique way. They're blessed with deeper knowledge than what can be naturally obtained. And I have to tell you, and some of you already know my testimony, but that's something that was made clear to me when I was young. Specifically when I was about 15 years old. Many of you know, and I've shared this multiple times, but I was about 15 years old when I finally became serious about my faith in Christ. And um, the interesting thing is up to that point, I had been a professing Christian for about five years at that point, but I don't believe I was living with a healthy fear of the Lord during that season. So that five-year period of time from when I had professed faith in Christ to actually when I started taking my faith in Christ a bit more seriously, I feel like in that in-between time, I, I truly didn't understand this concept of the fear of the Lord. And so as a result, ignorance and immaturity continued to just persist in my life, and then the Lord helped me to understand and helped me to see what it meant to fear Him like this Scripture describes. Now, admittedly, the concept of fearing the Lord, that probably doesn't sound all that appealing, particularly, you know, and I don't know where, where everyone is here on their, their, their journey of faith in Christ. Uh, if you're new to that, that concept of fearing the Lord might actually sound a, a little bit strange to you, and maybe the, the opposite of what you're actually looking for from the Lord. But what it really means is this. the Scripture is describing this idea of living with this healthy fear of the Lord, it means to live with a deep awareness and appreciation of His power. So if you're living in the fear of the Lord, you're appreciating His power. You have a deep awareness of it. It involves um, admitting to yourself that there is going to be a day when you will give a full account of your life to the Lord. That's what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord, to recognize there is a day when you will give a full account of your life to the Lord. And when my heart latched onto that truth, I started to take my faith in Christ much more seriously. It stopped My faith in Christ stopped being an addendum to my life and became the very thing that defined my life. And it was a very different perspective than what I had experienced up to that point. So in that season, when I submitted my heart over to Him, he showed me some things that I wasn't seeing before. He showed me some new things. He, he granted me wisdom that I did not previously have. And the difference was I had stopped fighting him and started respecting him. And again, I saw, I saw great benefit come to my life as a result. And in some respects, I sort of think that this is like a universal pattern of life. You are more likely to be assisted and helped by those that you honor and respect and more likely to be chastised or not invested in by those you disrespect and fight against. Many of you know that I like to dabble in just a few entrepreneurial hobbies. Like I have a few different things that I I would consider entrepreneurial hobbies. Some of you are laughing because you're like a few. Don't you have like 14? All right, maybe like 14. No, that's not enough. My wife is like, that's not enough. 17? I don't know what number you want me to tell them. What do you want me to tell them? It's a lot, all right? (laughs) And um, it's funny, like, you know, sometimes when people ask you, do you ever have people ask you, what's your hobby? And I always feel like I bore people to tears when I tell them what my hobbies are. They're like, what are your hobbies? And I think that they expect me to say, like, sailing or, you know, like, I'm a really good bowler, you know, not good at either of those things, right? Right. Uh, I, but I just mentioned like, all right, here's like some of the hobbies that I'm into. And I mentioned some of the, the online work that I like to do in my free time. So in the past few years, I've gotten into podcasting, gotten into writing, gotten into blogging and speaking and doing webinars and things like that. I really like doing that stuff. It's a fun hobby. And here's something that I didn't fully appreciate when I started doing that. To my amazement, some of those hobbies have started to become a form of income for our household. That is a very nice bonus that I am not opposed to. And, uh, and I thought, wow, like this is fantastic. And so as these things started to grow, I thought, well, how do I continue to foster growth? in these areas, and so I would try to, like, just try and take counsel from different people that, that were focused on just different things that they were doing online, and just seeing, like, who's ethical, who's not ethical, and then trying to figure out, like, how the ethical people went about what they were doing. And there are several entrepreneurs in that space that, if I'm honest with you, I truly admire, and I have no hesitancy ex- expressing my admiration for them, and I had a cool experience just this past week three of them reached out to me, three people that I respect. And have I think I've plugged their stuff and and admired their stuff. Three of them reached out to me and offered for free to help me with some of the things that I'm working on. And I said to the one, I, I said, all right, like you've been super successful with the things that you're doing. I said, do you realize like you could charge for this kind of advice? Like you're giving me advice here. That is like invaluable. I said, you could, you could be charging. You're doing this for free and you could. And, and the comment was, Oh no, I do charge for this. I charge a lot for this. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I felt doubly blessed that I was being given this advice for free. And basically, like in a nutshell, as I was thinking about, I thought, All right, apparently, since I showed them respect, they blessed me with the gift of their knowledge. And so there are a few things now that I know and will implement that I learned from them, but they blessed that as like a gift out of the fact that they recognized that I was following their stuff and really respected what they were doing. Now, admittedly, I think it's very easy to value something in this world that improves your income, right? I think just naturally speaking, if you, you know, if you feel like the pressure of, of taking care of a family and and providing income for your household and all of that, when something improves your income, it, it's very easy to value that. But I want to ask this in a way that I hope will be useful, and that's this. We value that very easily, but how much do we value or how deeply do we value the wisdom and the knowledge of God? You know, I think it's, it's easy at times, it's very easy for me and probably very easy for all of us to appreciate something that has like a material blessing tied to it. But then I look at what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 2, and I look at, you know, what, what these like companion scriptures that we've been looking at, even here, you know, in Proverbs chapter 1. Like, what does it look like to truly value the wisdom and the knowledge of God above all things? Above earthly blessings, above anything else? Let me give you a very simple test that you can apply to your life that will help you understand whether or not you value the wisdom and knowledge of God above all else. And that's this. you could ask yourself this question two ways. Here's the first way you could ask it. Do you fight him or do you fear him? So that's one way you can ask it. So just ask yourself the question, Lord, you know, ask the Lord the question, Lord, am I fighting you or do I fear you? Do I have a healthy reverence for your power? Am I living my life as a a person who recognizes that there will be a day I give a full account to you for for how I used it? You know, am I I fighting you or do I fear you? Or the other way we could ask it is, do we resist the Lord or do we revere him? Do we resist him or do we revere him? Meaning, is there anything that the Lord could ask of you that you would not say yes to? Or if the Lord asked you, like, hey, this is how I built you. This is how I have wired you. These are the opportunities I'm giving you. I want you to pursue this. I want you to do this, or I want you to talk to this person, or I want you to help this person. If there's anything that the Lord would ask us to do that we would resist, what we're actually doing, in addition to resisting an opportunity to honor the Lord in whatever door He's opened up for us, we're also resisting His wisdom. Because if we we go through life fighting Him when He speaks to us, what happens? You stop hearing His voice. You can't just fight every time God speaks to you and then expect to hear Him clearly, when he brings up something that you want him to say. It's like we've got to listen to him when he says something that maybe we don't want to hear as much as when he says something that we do want to hear. And if we go through our lives resisting him, what we'll end up discovering is that it'll compete with our ability to revere him. And if we don't revere him, we're forsaking the knowledge that he grants us through Jesus Christ. And so that's a test that I want us to put ourselves through because I think it's an important test Something else that Scripture points out that I, I, I want to point out to us as well today is, is this. Those who walk with Christ will understand the will of Christ. Those who walk with Christ will understand the will of Christ. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, starting with v- verse 15. It says this, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. One of the most common questions that we as believers wrestle with is this. What is God's will for my life? You ever ask the Lord that question? Lord, what's your will for my life? Haven't we probably all wrestled with that question? We want to know His plan. We want to know what the best decisions to make happen to be. And some things the Lord makes abundantly clear to us in the moment we ask it, and other times he has us wait and go through a process of growth and understanding. And when Paul wrote this letter to the, to the Ephesians, he gave them very careful counsel to help them understand the will of God. He told them that as followers of Christ, they were to look carefully at how they chose to walk, meaning how they chose to live their lives in the midst of this world. And he warned them that they lived in an evil era. So to use the best of their time, or or to use their time, he was warning them, use your time to walk with Jesus instead of running away from Jesus. That was good counsel for them, and that's great counsel for us as well. And it also gets to the heart of why some Christians really struggle to understand God's will for their life, and I believe that the reason is because they're not walking with Christ daily. And because they're not walking with Christ daily, because they're compartmentalizing Him instead of walking with Him daily they begin to embrace the foolishness of this world and they begin treating it like it's wisdom. And then when, it's, then when it starts to produce the negative effects in their lives that it always produces, they're confused and begin to think that it's something that they didn't deserve. But here's the thing. Scripture is very clear that we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. The seeds that you're planting into your life and the seeds that you're planting into your mind are eventually going to bear some kind of fruit. And whatever you plant in your life is going to bear fruit somewhere. It's either going to be the seeds of wisdom or the fruit of wisdom, we could say, or it's going to be the fruit of folly. And the fruit that's produced is going to be based on what gets sown. Uh, a little over a week ago, I took a long walk. And as I was walking, I was listening to an audiobook the whole time. And it, and it was actually one of those rare treats where the audiobook I was listening to was narrated by the author who wrote it, which is nice. I, I tend to like that better. And by the time I was finished with that walk, and by the time I was finished listening to that portion of the book, I felt like I knew the author personally, because I'd been listening to his voice, and I took a long walk with him, essentially. And I think that our walk with Christ is very similar. The longer we walk with him, and the more accustomed we grow to listening to his voice, the better we come To know him. Those who walk with Christ will understand the will and the mind of Christ better than those who spend their lives running from him. And that's why the Apostle Paul was trying to encourage the church at Ephesus. You know, walk with the Lord in this way. Walk in such a way that you honor the Lord with your life. Walk in such a way that you don't embrace the evil attitudes or mindsets or philosophies of the age in which you were born. And there's one last thing that I want to point out today is we're just, you know, early in our series of talking about the, the, the mind of Christ and what it looks like to have wisdom that transcends this moment in time. I believe that Jesus will speak his wisdom, his undefeatable wisdom through you. Now, why do I believe that? Well, look at what it says in Luke chapter 21, verse 15. There, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said this, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. So this is what he told his disciples. He said, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. So when Jesus was preparing his disciples for what life was going to look like in, in this world... For them, as they followed Christ, he didn't hold back. And he revealed to them that they were going to be questioned by authorities, and they were going to be questioned by adversaries, and he made it clear that they were going to have to appear before those who governed from a worldly perspective, but he also made it clear that they did not need to fear when those moments came. Because they had the mind of Christ, he would also speak his undefeatable wisdom So think about that. If Christ has hold of your mind, what he puts in your mind will eventually start coming out of your mouth. And that's what Jesus was trying to help these early disciples to understand, these disciples who eventually became apostles, many of them. So their adversaries might ignore them. Their adversaries might try to silence them. But they wouldn't be able to successfully contradict them as they spoke with the wisdom Christ gave them. Now, I got to tell you, right now, I'm praying about something that I hope that you'll join me in praying for, because I'm seeing this, and I don't know how this is all going to work out, but right now, I'm praying for church leaders who are preparing to get a real taste of what these early disciples experienced, because we've now moved into an area in certain segments, not all segments of our country, but in certain segments of our country right now, there are now legal consequences for preaching the gospel to believers who have assembled for worship. I don't know if you're following any of this on the news, but um, you know, I, I saw this in particular. Many of you are familiar with John MacArthur. Do you know John MacArthur? Probably some of you even have like the MacArthur Study Bible, stuff like that. Well, he was told very clearly, listen, you may be fined or arrested if you continue to preach on Sunday mornings to your assembled congregation. And he's like, well, I wondered if it might come to this. And if so, you know where to find me. And so he's continuing to preach the gospel. And he actually put something out online, and I read it, and I thought it was a very articulate statement. I shared it on my blog a couple days ago after I read it. It was written by him and the elders of his church, and they put it out together, understanding the role of government, and government has a role. You know, the Lord's established government to restrain mankind's sin. I'm not saying government doesn't have a role. It absolutely does. But there's a line that's not supposed to be crossed. And Christ is Lord of the church, not Caesar. That's kind of the theme of what he put out there. And I read through that. I thought it was very articulate, and it's being written by a group of people that are under intense pressure. Oh, also, by the way, they may have the utilities to their properties cut off if they continue to meet. I don't know if you saw that. The power and the water uh, to <laughs> churches is going to be cut off in the city of Los Angeles if they continue to meet. That's interesting. I always wondered if we'd ever see this sort of stuff. Now, I'm, we're not seeing it right here in Pennsylvania yet, Will we? We might. I don't know. I hope not. I sure hope not. But he put out something and he invited other pastors throughout the country to sign it if they stood with him. So I just want to go on record and say I stand with him completely and I sign my name to it and I want to be public about it. I put it on my blog and I'm saying it here for the live stream and I'm saying it for our congregation. I will never, ever, ever listen to anyone that tells me not to preach the gospel to an assembled group of believers because I believe that contradicts the mission that the Lord's given to me as a pastor and to you as a church, and I am willing to suffer any consequence that may ever come to me because of that. And I'm not afraid of that, even though I hope that it doesn't happen. But now that I'm seeing people that I've respected for years dealing with it, and I always wondered if I'd ever see that in my lifetime. And now that I'm seeing it, I'm like, all right, there it is. In our country, I can't believe it's happening, but it is happening. And because it's happening... I come back to a portion of scripture like I just read for us from Luke chapter 21. And what did Jesus tell his followers? It's going to happen, so don't be surprised. But here's the thing. He says when it happens, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. The outcome is in the Lord's hands, and he'll give you the words to speak. And in those moments when you're tested, you know what the cool thing about being tested is? It's not really a moment to be a wise guy, even though I'm always tempted to be a wise guy in moments when I'm tested, because I think I say some funny things sometimes, and sometimes I'm the only one that thinks they're funny, and I make a situation worse, right? And I look at that, but I think to myself, okay, in a moment when you're tested like that, here's one of the benefits that comes from it. You get to testify to your faith in Christ in a context where people are listening, and they're listening, and they watch what you're enduring, and so I appreciate our brothers and sisters throughout the centuries who have boldly spoken when they were put under pressure. I appreciate our brothers and sisters in Christ who, are, who right now are being willing to be bold and gracious. They're being gracious too, which I appreciate, under pressure. And I think to myself, look at, again, what did Christ say? I'll give you the words to speak. I'll give you a mouth and I'll give you wisdom. And a lot of times in those contexts too, he also gives people ears to hear in a moment like that. Because it's not when everything's just flowing nice and easy that people pay attention. It's when you're being tested, the ears and eyes tend to open. The wisdom of this world, let me say this as we wrap up, the wisdom of this world is paper thin. It changes all the time. And while it proposes to be wise, it's usually foolishness dressed up in a new outfit. Jesus will help you see through it. And as he clarifies his truth to your heart, I believe he'll also enable you and me to be the mouths that he speaks through. And he'll speak with his wisdom. We have the mind of Christ, and his wisdom transcends this moment in time, and he's inviting us to begin using his wisdom. And I think there are moments where we're going to have to really, really rely on that. I think... Right now, if I could just request this of you, I would ask that you would pray for me specifically that I would use wisdom and not respond from the flesh when I feel tested. Because sometimes when I'm tested, um, it could be very easy for me to respond from the flesh. And I don't want to do that. I want to respond in such a way that honors Christ. And I, I don't do that perfectly. And so I want to do that, I want to do that right. But I also want you to lift up any believer through the world right now that experience a time of testing. This is a time where we'll have the privilege to testify to Christ who lives within us. And he's going to create unique moments under some duress or under some pressure where we have the privilege to speak up. And I pray that we would do so gracefully and with mercy, but with seriousness and sobriety and in such a way that we are never ashamed to testify to the goodness of Jesus Christ and how he's opened up our eyes to see exactly what we needed most. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be able to look at your word together and to meditate on what you're revealing to us in it. Lord, you've given us your mind, and this is not a trivial or a casual thing. This isn't a small gift. You're allowing us to see and experience things from a brand new perspective. And Lord, we need that. We need that in every era that we're in, but Lord, there are unique tests that kind of confuse us a little bit right now. And so, Lord, we're very much in need of your help. We're very much in need of your wisdom. We're in need of your guidance and your direction. These are all things that we need from you. But Lord, again, we also pray that you would speak with your power and with your clarity through us and to us And that your name would be honored in the midst of it. Lord, this morning we want to lift up before you Pastor MacArthur. We thank you for the bold stand that he's taking for your gospel. We thank you for the reasoned explanation that he's given online for why he and their church elders have chosen to do so. So we pray for pastors and other church leaders throughout this country who feel a unique pressure right now not to be preaching and not to be gathering together with other believers. We pray that you'd give them your strength and your wisdom and your clarity to navigate this challenge. And Lord, if they experience painful consequences, we pray that they would do so as people who remember the examples that were given in the book of Acts of what it looked like when the apostles dealt with these challenges and how they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for your name. And Lord, if that kind of mindset or or that kind of tide works its way here into our state. Lord, I I pray that you'd help church leaders right here locally and right here in our, our commonwealth to understand your will and live it out and to know that their brothers and sisters in Christ are praying for them in the midst of it. But Lord, how wonderful it is that as people who have been given the mind of Christ that you allow us to see beyond any moment we find ourselves in. That we can look at a moment and say, yeah, this is just for now. This is just a momentary inconvenience. A light and momentary trial, as your word calls it. Just for a moment. It's like a blip on the, in the record of history. And so, Lord, before we know it, there'll be a day when we're in your glorious presence for all eternity, and we look forward to that. You will restore all things The things that weigh our hearts and our minds down now are not permanent issues, just temporary inconveniences, and we pray that as as we utilize your mind that we would begin to see these things. Now, admittedly, Lord, these are things that have been weighing my mind and my heart down at times when I start to get caught up in a moment. Probably others gathered here today, others on our live stream could probably testify, yeah, there's definitely been things that weighed my mind and weighed my heart down. So, Lord, help us to see beyond it. You've given us your mind. Help us to see it all from your perspective and help us to be able to look forward to all the things that you have in store because you have good things in store for your children. And again, we're grateful that in the midst of everything we endure, you're present with us. And we're grateful today for your presence. We come before you with joy. We're grateful for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.